Welcome to the number one cookbook podcast, Cookery by the Book, with Susie Chase. She's just a home cook in New York City, sitting at her dining room table, talking to cookbook authors. Hi, I'm Lisa Steele, and my latest book is The Fresh Egg Daily Cookbook. Could you please read the first chapter of the introduction? Thin tendrils of sunlight slowly move across the field in the still gray pre-dawn hours, touching briefly on the dewdrops, glistening on pink clover blossoms and white daisies. Only the gentle swoosh of a heron's flapping wings can be heard. Then a woodpecker knocks on a pine tree and a chipmunk chides him from a perch hidden high in the branches as small songbirds trill from their nests and here and there bees flit from flower to flower. I'm still asleep in the cozy home on our small main farm where we've lived for the past seven years after trading a Wall Street life for rural living. How did you find your way back to a small town life after being on Wall Street? It was a really, really long journey, but I don't think that I could have gotten away from it. I think that every move that I made was sort of leading me back here without me realizing it. You know, I grew up on a farm in rural Massachusetts, went to college, got a degree in accounting, ended up on Wall Street. And uh, long story short, I did that for, I don't know, five or six years, started to get really burnt out, realized it wasn't where I belonged. So I quit, walked out and opened a bookstore, ironically enough, right? I've always loved to read. And I ran the bookstore on Long Island for a couple of years and then met my husband who was in the Navy stationed in Florida. And so that sort of started my journey from Florida, then slowly moved back up New England to Virginia and now to Maine, again, living on a farm, raising chickens. I'd love for you to talk about naming your chickens. Um, And first, how many do you have? And why is Miranda your favorite? We have 18 chickens, 10 ducks and two geese. They tend to have names like Charlotte, Miranda. They are not named after the Sex and the City girls, although I was a huge fan, but... (laughs) completely different batches of chickens. That was a coincidence. Violet, uh, Amanda, Abigail, I tend to go for like those old fashioned kind of names, sometimes based on their breed. So, you know, if it's a French breed, I might try to find a, a French name or, you know, if it's an English breed or whatever. Miranda is gray and white. She's really pretty. She's a splash Morans, which is a French breed. They lay dark brown eggs, but for some reason, she just reminded me of Miranda Priestley's hair from The Devil Wears Prada. When she was a baby chick, I mean, I just looked at her and I was like, you're Miranda. Fortunately, she has a much better personality than Miranda Priestley does. <laughs> so <laughs> that all worked out really well. In this cookbook, you share an enormous amount of information, recipes and photos in a way that makes this book the standard for egg cooking. I have to tell you, I was a little skeptical about an egg cookbook because oftentimes one subject cookbooks fall flat, but your recipes are intriguing. And this cookbook is a must have for any cookbook lover. I'm going to leave it out on my kitchen table. You're so sweet. When I decided to write a cookbook, which is a whole story in itself, but I just knew it had to be an egg cookbook because, you know, that's what I do. Our life revolves around all the eggs that we collect and have to eat. And my publisher at the time was kind of in in your camp at first and didn't see that an egg cookbook would work. And he wanted me to do more of a farm to table type cookbook, which I think has been done and overdone so many times. It's been done really well. It's been done really badly. I wasn't interested at all. And then he wanted me to do maybe a seasonal cookbook, which didn't interest me at all either. And I really stuck to my guns and said, I want to do an egg centric cookbook and ended up kind of 
moving away from that publisher, hiring an agent, getting a new publisher who really saw my vision. And I was so excited as soon as I talked to first an agent who was the fifth or sixth I had talked to, I think, and then a publisher who got it and was as excited as I was and really saw that there was a a hole sort of in the cookbook uh, market. I've read so many egg cookbooks. I bought a whole bunch of them on Amazon when I was formulating the idea, looked through them. And I feel like they all were kind of missing something. They weren't the type of cookbook that I would use on a daily basis. Either there were just a bunch of recipes with an egg thrown on top, which isn't really a cookbook. I mean, I can do that myself, just put an egg on whatever I make. Or they were recipes that were so involved or took so many ingredients that they weren't something I could see myself making over and over again. So I wanted something where... You'd have all your classics, you know, omelets, frittatas, quiches, plus creme brulee and pound cake and angel fruit cake and those kind of things when you have a lot of eggs and you don't know what to do with them. But also some fun and and unique things like the eggs and the butternut squash or baked eggs and toast cups or making your own marshmallows or mayonnaise, sprinkles, things like that. And you also have salads and soups in this cookbook, too. I do. And (laughs) that wasn't something I mean, I, I, I just wanted really two chapters sweet and savory. And they said, well, you can't have a a cookbook with just two chapters. We have to break it out more than that. And I I don't like to really put things into slots. You know, we'll sometimes have fried eggs and toast and bacon for, for dinner. So I don't necessarily consider eggs breakfast foods. And how do you decide if something is a is a brunch food or a breakfast food? But they sort of made me come up with some, you know, other chapters. I do love Caesar salad. I have to say that making your own Caesar salad dressing and your own croutons and everything. It just, you know, it elevates the salad. I'm not a huge salad eater, but I did manage to come up with a couple that that we do have on sort of a regular rotation. You say if you want eggs from healthy and happy chickens by certified human pasture raised, not organic. So for us home cooks, how do we know if they're certified human pasture raised? That's hard to say. That's a mouthful. (laughs) It is. And egg carton labels have gotten so confusing. Even my mom, she usually buys one brand and, you know, that we've talked about. And I told her, you know, the, the chickens are out in a field and we presume they're happy and all this other stuff. Well, her store didn't have the brand that she usually buys the last time she went. So she had to buy a different brand. And I was talking to her on the phone and she was so proud of herself because she said, you know, I looked at all the labels and tried to remember what you told me and I bought cage free and it says no antibiotics and no hormones. So I think these eggs are pretty good. And I was like, mom, first of all, chickens cannot be given antibiotics or hormones in this country. You know, there's so many things on the label that really mean nothing like farm fresh, you know, natural, like these kind of terms don't really mean anything. So really what you want to look for is pasture raised. That means the chickens are legit out on a pasture, running around, laying in the sun, doing happy chicken things. Whereas cage free just means they're not in cages, but they're just roaming around in a huge warehouse. Organic means the chickens have been fed organic feed. So if eating organic is important to you, then that is a label you can look for. But people just need to realize that organic does not refer to the treatment of the chickens, you know, so they can still have uh, beaks trimmed. They can be forced to molt by you know, turning on, turning off the lights and things like that. So pasture raised really is what you want to look if you're just looking for one thing on a carton. So God, I'm going to really have to read my cartons from now on because I don't think I've ever noticed the term certified human pasture raised. 
it's probably like in a little seal on the carton somewhere. Okay. And checking the freshness of the eggs is super important too. You mean the date? Right. So what should we be looking for in terms of the time frame? Well, they, they make it sort of confusing because sometimes there's a best buy date or a sell by date. You can just sort of ignore those because those are really meaningless. You want to look for the three digit code on the end of the carton from 001 to 365. That is the day that those eggs were put in that carton. So like what is today, February something. So it's probably like the 30, I don't know, sixth or 37th day of the year. So if you're at the grocery store today, you want to look for the number that's closest to today's date, because that means that those eggs are the freshest. So, you, you know, you're not, you don't want to see a carton that says like 248 or something like that, because those are put in the carton at the end of last year. And I mean, they can sit on a grocery store shelf for weeks, four weeks, five weeks, six weeks. Now, can we leave our eggs out on our counter? Store-bought, no, because in the United States, they are required to wash them, which really is a shame because this is one of the few countries in the world where eggs have to be washed. Most countries, they're sold unwashed, which really is a better way. An egg has a natural coating on it. Just before it's laid, the hen applies this invisible coating that is called the bloom, and it basically covers up the pores in the eggshell which keeps air and bacteria out. So that's the egg's natural defense to keep it fresh, to keep bacteria from getting into the egg. And here in the United States, they're required to wash eggs if they're going to be sold commercially. And that washes that protective coating right off. So commercial store-bought eggs have to be refrigerated. If you get eggs from a neighbor, from your own chickens, from a local farm, as long as they haven't been washed, they can stay out on the counter. I don't know, two to three weeks, they do age faster if they're left out on the counter. So they'll stay fresh seven times longer if you do refrigerate them. You also tell us to store eggs pointy side down. How come? That is really important. The yolk of an egg is held in place top to bottom in an egg with these thin ropes of protein. You store them pointy and down because that way the protein ropes are keeping the yolk, you know, not from rising to the top of the egg that way, but side to side, it's also going to stay in the middle. So how clever is this? You included a recipe index for the number of eggs needed in this cookbook. I love that. That was really important to me. And that's something that I didn't see. I think there was one other cookbook I saw that next to each recipe, it would have like one egg or two eggs or three eggs or whatever. And I thought that was super helpful because maybe for people who don't keep chickens, but definitely when you do have chickens, there are times a year when they lay so many eggs that you don't know what to do with them. But it could be also you bought a dozen at the store and nobody wanted breakfast that week. So now you've got 12 eggs and what are you going to do with them? So of course you make an angel food cake. So um, I would love to chat about some of the these recipes. I made uh, your double dill scrambled eggs on page 50, but I couldn't find Havarti with dill. So I just used plain Havarti. More dill. And a lot of dill. I love dill. Can you talk a little bit about this recipe? Yeah, I, I love dill too. I, I actually saw on your Instagram stories that you had made it and you couldn't find the Havarti with dill. So I don't know if that's regional or not because we always seem to have it at the grocery stores here, but I love dill. I mean, it's probably one of my top three herbs and I think it's something that's not necessarily as common. Super easy to grow. Um, we grow in the garden every year. 
but it just pairs really, really well with eggs and using that Havarti, which is kind of a nice, mild, creamy cheese. I think it pairs really, really well with the dill. I mean, you could eat scrambled eggs every day, probably for a year and just adding different cheese and herb combinations. It's a completely different meal. Okay. So I also made fried eggs with apricot jam and goat cheese on page 57. And my 15 year old was a little skeptical, but he loved it. That is one of the stranger recipes in the in the book, I have to admit. My mom got so excited when she found out I was writing a cookbook. And probably on a weekly or bi-weekly basis, she would send me an envelope full of egg recipes that she had found in magazines or written down on cards or whatever. And this is actually something that she makes all the time. So when I promised her that I would use one of the recipes she had sent in the cookbook, it was funny because I actually ended up using her original recipe. I had it once, she made it for me, and I was like, this is so weird, but it really, it works. And I love how the jelly kind of looks like the egg yolk and the cheese kind of looks like the egg white, but I thought it was just weird enough that it might prompt people to try it. And it's definitely something that nobody's ever had before. Totally. And you're right. It looks so pretty. Mm Mm-hmm. So uh, this morning I was up, you know, at the crack of dawn because I have a teen and I made your fig French toast sandwich on page 98. You discovered this recipe when you wanted to make a grilled cheese sandwich. Can you tell me about that? Somehow we had no cheese, which like never happens, but I did have cream cheese and I was like, you know, I could probably make like a grilled cream cheese sandwich. And then who doesn't love fig jam? I mean, I'm I'm just huge fan of fig jam and the two together, again, kind of a weird combination, but I would pretty much guarantee nobody's ever had that before. I like the fig jam because it's not too sweet. Exactly. On your Fresh Eggs Daily blog, uh, you write about the experience of writing your first cookbook and you called it a mix of excitement and low level panic. Talk a little bit about your dream of writing a cookbook coming true and a little bit of that timeline starting in September 2020 when you signed the contract and your transparency was a breath of fresh air for me. Oh, thank you. Yeah, as I mentioned, I think I mentioned when we first started, I've written six books on raising chickens and they sort of naturally came out of the blog. It was a a topic that I'm really familiar with. You know, I'm good at raising chickens. They're all healthy. I've been giving advice for years. So I, I feel really comfortable writing about chickens, but it wasn't my true passion. It started to feel kind of like a job. So writing a cookbook has been something that's been a dream for years, you know, being a food blogger and writing a cookbook. And it all just seems sort of something that, you know, would never happen, but it's a great bucket list thing to check off. And I decided if I'm going to do it, I'm going to have to make it happen. I found this this editor who was just super excited about it. And then when he pitched it to the new HarperCollins imprint that was going to be focusing on cookbooks for the most part, and they loved it too. You know, I felt like this was really going to happen. But then I realized I had absolutely no idea how to write a cookbook. I'm not a recipe tester or recipe developer or food photographer (laughs) or anything like that. You know, so I was like, oh, what have I got myself into here? You know, I just want anyone who's even thinking about writing a cookbook to read your Fresh Eggs Daily blog about this because you go into such detail. It's hard because no one really comes out and tells you. So you have to read a bunch of things and then kind of put it all together in your mind. So I wanted to make sure that I was as transparent as I could be without actually, I mean, there are certain things that you're just not supposed to talk about, I guess. 
I could say. Um, but I wanted it to be helpful for someone and really encourage someone that if this is something you want to do, you know, it might be possible. I, never in a million years would I think that I would get a cookbook deal, especially from one of the largest publishers in the world. And I know that it's because of my chicken audience. Bottom line, a publisher just wants to sell books. Now to my segment called Dream Dinner Party, where I ask you who you most want to invite to your dream dinner party and why. And for this segment, it can only be one person. My first thought, and I'm going to cheat here because I'm going to give you my first thought and then my final, but my first thought would be Reese Witherspoon, just because she's raised chickens. You know, she's lived in the country. I think she's amazing and so motivated and she loves books and cookbooks and all that. But I have to go with Emily Blunt because I have been watching some interviews with her, with her husband and also with The Rock for her new movie. She's hysterical. And I cannot imagine someone who would be more fun to eat dinner with. And I don't care if she likes eggs or chickens or anything. I think she would be an amazing dinner partner. Where can we find you on the web and social media? Super easy. Fresh Egg Daily, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest. Uh, my blog is fresheggsdaily.com. To purchase the Fresh Eggs Daily cookbook and support the podcast, head over to cookerybythebook.com. And thanks, Lisa, for coming on Cookery by the Book podcast. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure. Follow Cookery by the Book on Instagram. And thanks for listening to the number one cookbook podcast, Cookery by the Book.